So this is the Bible. Well, these days it might even turn on, like this. The Bible is large, it is old, it was around when people looked like this. How does it apply to me? I mean, it's longer than 140 characters. Where do I begin? It can be intimidating. Why do I need to learn the Old Testament? Why not just skip over to the New Testament? Well, consider this. Did you know that Jesus quotes the Old Testament? God's story of salvation and love begins in the Old Testament? Or did Jesus lived during Old Testament times? Maybe you like Genesis and Exodus is pretty epic, but what is the deal with Leviticus? And what's a Habakkuk? Walk through the Old Testament can answer all these questions in a few hours. Yeah, that's right, you can learn the entire Old Testament in a few hours. It's not just knowledge, it's a foundation upon which everything else in your life should be built on. Knowing the Old Testament helps you understand God, His plans, His justice, His love, and how you fit into all of it. Tend to walk through the Old Testament, learn the Old Testament in just a few hours. Remember it and apply it to the rest of your life. Well, good morning, Grace. Happy New Year. Happy decade. Had a whole new decade. Let's do this one right, okay? And which, which, why we're doing this walk through the Bible uh, seminar next week. I want to tell you a little bit about it. I'll tell you more about it in our, our learning time. But I want to tell you the power that this has had in my life. <clears throat> my first semester in graduate school, so it's a master's in theology, whatever, master's in Bible, whatever, right? So my first semester, first requirement was to go to an Old Testament walk through the Bible conference seminar, just like this. As a matter of fact, it was such a priority for our school. Three of our professors were walk through the uh, Bible certified instructors. We were going through this in the morning. It was, back then, it was an all-day event. And at the first break, maybe an hour and a half in, I went to the instructor and I said, how do I become an instructor with Walk Through the Bible? This is, I, I've, I've read little passages of the Bible, but now it's all fitting together. After one, you know, a few hours together, we're going to know the people, places, and events in order, where they happened, and you see this one big story of God's sovereignty. And I was so compelled by all the things that I had seen. I, I want to be an instructor with you guys. And he said, sure, I mean, you gotta, got to graduate from seminary first, and you've only been here two weeks, so do that. <clears throat> Before I filled out my application to be ordained in the denomination I used to be with, I filled out an application to be an instructor who walked through the Bible. And I served them for 12 years, went around the world teaching the Old Testament and New Testament seminars. It is worth your time. It's worth your time. Uh, we've made it uh, so that everyone in your family can attend. If you are married uh, with children, it's not a seminar where, you know, one of you stays and the other one takes the kids home and all that. We're going to have uh, it available for everyone in the family, even with child care. Uh, if you can register soon, that would be great. The day of the event, I think the price goes up by $5. There's, I'll tell you more about it in just a minute. But it's all part of a bigger plan for this whole year because, you know, we wanted, we wanted to start 20, you know, 2020, right? That's just a good round number. And we just finished up our 50th anniversary. We're like, let's, let's do it again. And we want to study the Bible. That's the way to do it. Let's, let's just start right here. Like, let's leave last year behind. Just this week, just actually maybe a couple days ago, we were clearing out all the holiday, uh, all the food and the candy and everything because we're like, now we're going to start changing our diet again, go back to the normal thing. We were, we were literally 
emptying the, the ice cream, those bluebell ice creams. Like, I didn't even like this flavor. I didn't either. And we're just like, one more, wait, 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 okay, now throw it away. Wait, one more. So, okay, that's out of our house. We're moving on to something new. Whole new discipline in life, right? I'll tell you a story. That it, this is the first Bible I ever owned. It is the New Testament. Psalms and Proverbs, written in microfish. I, I can't imagine having read this at one time. One of the first things I, I did when I, when I bought this is I bought a little uh, chunk of leather and then z- and sewed a zipper into it so I could take it anywhere and everywhere I went. I was working construction that summer, and I wanted to take it on the job with me. I bought it a month into my conversion, my understanding of who Jesus Christ was in 1980. It, it just, it, I, I still have it. Because this book, this one right here, it changed my life. It changed my life. And the cover has been with me all this time. The Bible inside, not so much. Story with that goes like this. Several years ago when I was working here, I had a rather disturbing call from a distressed woman that lived out of town. I'd never met her. And she just called a a Bible church in Austin. And she wanted me to visit her son who has, was living out the consequences of a string of really bad decisions and was in jail. He was in a county jail uh, about a couple hours from here and wanted me to visit him. And I said, well, I mean, I'll do that, but, you know, these things, don't, don't get your hopes up. She goes, I, I got to pray that this, this is his moment, that maybe he's hit, finally hit rock bottom. So I drove out there. I got there at dark, and it was pretty eerie to be in a jail at night. And when I talked to the prison guards up front, they, uh, they said, you know, we, we don't, these are not our visiting hours, but they would make an exception for me as it was a pastoral visit. So we kind of went through that maze labyrinth of, of giant, you know, steel doors banging and opening and closing. And because it was after hours, if you're thinking one of those prison visits that you've seen on TV where we're face to face or there's a glass thing between us. No, it wasn't that. They gave me, he said, I'll give you two minutes, maybe three, talk through the door. So there's this armored door with a three by five slot right here. It's an overcrowded prison cell behind, you know, him. And I'm just talking to him. Of course, the little slots like way up here because of people. <clears throat> <laughs> people. Anyway, so I'm standing on my toes for the longest two and a half minutes of my life. And I'm, and the, so the thing got, you know, the slide was driven back and then we're talking, I'm introducing myself. I'm taking too much time just talking. And he just says, I I think I'm here. I'm done. I can't believe I want to change my life. I really do. I really want to change my life. And I don't know how to, and I, I'm like, I have 90 seconds left. That's all I've got. Discard. And I had my Bible with me because I always take my Bible with me. And I look, I feel like the Lord is telling me I need to give him my Bible. But it's like, I don't want to give. This is my favorite Bible. <laughs> and that's, that's a really bad decision, conversation to have with God. And, and that's, but that's my Bible, by the way. I wrote that book. So, <clears throat> so I said, fine. I'll give him, and, and it could actually fit in that slot. So I was able to do this. So I asked the guard, can I give him my Bible? And he looks at it and goes, that zipper is a weapon. I went, well, this is, a, this is a hard prison. I didn't know that could happen. So I literally tore my Bible out of this cover and, and put it through the thing. And I said, read. New Testament, Psalms and Proverbs, just read. I, that was my Bible for nine years when I turned it over to him. 
I never saw that Bible again. I bought another one, inserted it in my little leather case. Never saw him, never met him, never saw him again after that. That was it. You can only hope, right? Six months later, I got a seven-page letter from him about all the great and miraculous things God was doing in his life. He said he had read that Bible that I had given him and wore it out, just wore it out, bought himself another one and bought me one too. So in close with that page, the multiple-page letter was a brand-new leather-bound Bible for me, maybe to give out to someone else. Can you believe that kind of story? Can you believe that? A stranger makes a night visitation to a serial, you know, offender, and then he just, he reads it. I mean, they're just words, right? They're just words, small words on very small pages, and has a 180 radical revolutionary experience in his life, changes his life. Just words, but they are some words, right? There are the voice of God, and only God knows, only God knows how many people have picked up a holy writ with an open heart and read it and had their lives changed by it. It happens. I want to tell you another story about it. If you'll go to Nehemiah chapter 8, I'll show you a grand version of this story in Nehemiah. If you don't know where Nehemiah is, you should go to the table of contents because that's how to find Nehemiah. Just words on a page. Let me tell you the context of this story so you can appreciate what's happened here. Uh, this is Israel and particularly uh, Judah, and they, they, have, <laughs> they have made a string of bad decisions, and because of that, they serve time. Seventy years they were in, in kind of bondage and in, in, in exile in Babylon, and now they've been given the opportunity to return. And they have many people, some people have returned to Israel, to Jerusalem particularly, and Nehemiah, that's why the book is Nehemiah, Nehemiah has, has returned there to help them rebuild the wall around them. And the wall has just been finished, and they are ready for a pastoral visit. In comes a scribe, a scholar, and his name is Ezra. He's a priest, and he's going to bring the law of Yahweh. Now, before we read this, you need, to under, you need to know this so that you can understand kind of the point of the passage. When you see people re- write in the Old Testament, they'll tell you in, in many ways what the point of emphasis is by repeating a word or phrases. That's, what, that's, that's their message. And the message here, because of the words repeated, is this. The law of Yahweh will be used nine times in this chapter, and the word understanding will be used eight times. So keep that in mind, that they're understanding the law of Yahweh. And I'll read it to you. I found a great translation that's easy to hear. Let me read it. By, the time the people, by this time, the people of Israel were settled in their towns, and then all the people gathered as one person at the town square in front of the water gate, and they asked the scribe Ezra to bring the book of the law of Yahweh, as Yahweh had commanded Moses uh, and for, for Israel. And so Ezra, the priest, brought the law of Yahweh to the congregation. Everyone who was capable of understanding was there. Now, the scholar Ezra was standing on a wooden platform that they had built particularly for this purpose. Ezra opened the book, and every eye was upon him. And as he opened the book, everyone stood. 
And all the Levites helped the people understand the law of Yahweh while the people stood. And they were listening respectfully. They translated the book of Yahweh so that the people could understand it when it was and explain it to them as he was reading. Ezra read it, facing the town square at the water gate, from early dawn until noon, in the hearing of all the men and all the women who could understand it. And the ears of all these people were attentive on the law of Yahweh. And so it says in verse 6, Then Ezra blessed Yahweh, their great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen. And they were lifting up their hands. And then they bowed their heads and worshipped Yahweh with their faces on the ground. They were cut to a quick because of the reading of Scripture. And they fell down and they began weeping and mourning because of all the, the string of poor decisions they'd made and how it grieved God. And so they're interrupted by Nehemiah. And then Nehemiah, who is the governor, and Ezra, who is the priest and the scribe, and the Levites who had taught the people, they all said to the people, no, 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 no. This is a holy day to Yahweh your God. Do not mourn or weep. Nehemiah said, go, no, no, go and enjoy choice foods and sweet drinks. And send some of those who have nothing prepared. In other words, let's distribute your wealth so we can all have a great time together. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for joy of Yahweh is your strength. The Levites calmed down all the people saying, Be still, for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. And so all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing because they understood the words that were being declared to them. That was a great day. They heard the words of Yahweh and understood. The very next day, it says, they couldn't get enough. The very next day, the heads of the families, along with the priests and the Levites, gathered around Ezra again, the teacher, to give attention to the words of the Lord. And then, chapter 9, at the end of the month, later... Uh, that same month, at the end of the month, really, the Israelites gathered together, fasting and wearing sackcloth and putting dust on their heads. And they, and they stood where they, where they were and read from the book of the law of Yahweh, their God, for a quarter of the day and spent the other quarter in confession and worship to Yahweh, their God. Can you believe that story? I mean, we're, not, not, we're talking not a, a person now. We're talking about a, a corporate culture of a nation here. It begins in ruins and ends in rejoicing. Ezra and his teaching staff show up and they bring the voice of God. For five hours, they're standing up and they're hearing this. Their hands are raised and they're praising God. Amen and amen. And then they are cut to, their, to the soul about their grievance against God. And so they find themselves mourning about that. And there'll be time for that later. Let's celebrate the choice meats, great wine, share amongst everyone. And they all begin to celebrate. They're worshiping who God is and what he has done for them. Let's do that. End of the month ends with repentance, the reconciliation with each other and with God. What a great story all because of the word of God, the voice of God, 180 degree, turn on their heels from dirge to dancing. That's the power. That's just words. Oh, these aren't just any words. These are the words of God, the very voice of God. How does this happen? 
How did this happen in this story? How did it happen in my life when I picked up that, that Bible? How did it happen in the, that young man's life in prison? It's in this passage. It says eight times that they understood. They had ears to hear. There's a saying, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And this group of people, these students, they were ready. Their ears were ready to hear. The Bible has the power to change the human mind. The Bible has the power to change the human mind. No person can live a great life without a great mind. Now, I'm not talking about IQ. It's not about intelligence. It's a great mind that is peace-filled. It is a mind that is surrendered. It is a mind that's overflowing with joy. And how you get a great mind, just back it up. You have to have great thoughts. And where do you get great thoughts? May I suggest holy writ, God's voice. We are, the, we are a product of the thoughts that we cultivate. This is a hard reality, and that is that, that, that you and no one else is in charge of, of what you meditate upon, what you put in your mind. If you want a great life, you're going to have to have a great mind, and that's going to have to come from a humble heart saturated by the Word of God. You direct your thoughts. You determine what happens between your ears. We are, <laughs> we are in an experience of nonstop, never-ceasing, perpetual in, in, like, thoughts and perceptions and desires and emotions. They're all swirling around, and we have to choose. Will we, will we have a mindset that is finding itself gravitating towards the spectacular nature of, of Yahweh God, a vision of his splendor, his promises, his presence in our life, or, or we can be weighted down right, with guilt or worry or fear or it's all about me, discontent. Those thoughts, they can have their way in our life as well. Why read the Bible? Why read the Bible? Because it renews your mind. That's why. It has the power to renew your mind. And if you renew your mind, you'll renew your life. It is the voice of God, and it has the power to create. It has the power to create faith. It has the power to create guidance. It has the power to change. It can change a foolish person into a wise person. It has the power to change a timid thoughts and timid person to a courageous person. A, a discouraged person, a melancholy, into a hopeful, encouraging person. That's the power that the Word of God has because it is the voice of God. It is the first book you want to read to your children. It is the last book you want read to you on your deathbed. It has that supernatural ability. If you can understand, if you have ears to hear, if you have a tender heart, and you understand just, just your pedigree, your identity, who you are. You are part of the lineage of the king of all kings. You are a child of that king. You've been adopted. You've inherited his righteousness. 
If you could understand that you have a guaranteed inheritance with an eternal presence with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, that can change all of your life. If you read the Bible, you'll see, if you understand the profound depth of sin in your life and how deep it goes, if you read the Bible, you'll understand that there's an enemy and he wants to destroy you and kind of make a mockery of your faith in Jesus Christ. If you read the Bible, you'll meet Jesus there. The champion of life, the conqueror of death. You'll learn about his teachings. No one has ever taught like Jesus taught. If you read the Bible, Holy Writ, the voice of God, you'll read multiple eyewitnesses eyewitness accounts of his death and his resurrection. It is proof of his promises. That's where you get hope. And it is any wonder why, like Tyndale, for example, literally martyred his life, gave his life so that you and I could have a copy of this to read for ourselves in a language we could understand. And, and saints throughout the centuries, they have sacrificed untold amounts of living in poverty, thankless lives, suffering untold consequences for translating this and trying to get it in the people's hands all over the world. At this point in human history, it's, there's no book like this. At this point in human history, the Bible has been translated to reach 95% of the languages spoken in the world. It is, uh, I think some research said that in America, the average home has four Bibles in it. Now watch this. Yet, Bible ignorance is at an all-time high. Literacy, Bible literacy is at an all-time low. We see that all around. So, here's what we thought. The guys in leadership, some of the ladies that were helping us in, in making decisions for what we're going to do in 2020, we said, let's do this. Let's end this Bible illiteracy, at least at grace. How about in our little village, we could be people that know the Bible and understand what it says. So that's one of the things we're hoping to do. That's what, that's what we want to do for the next 12 months because it could change the way we think. Therefore, it would change our lives. What if our whole church was changed as a result of that? How do you study the Bible? Where do you start? How do you get going on this? That's what I want to tell you about kind of the plan for the year in, in many respects. If you go to seminary, graduate school, right, to learn about the Bible, here's what they would have. They have a scope and sequence or a big plan for the overall curriculum that you'll have. This is how you start, the way I started. You start your early years in survey classes. You have an Old Testament survey and a New Testament survey, and a lot of times it ends with a trip to Israel. Guess what? We're going to have an Old Testament survey, a New Testament survey, and we're going to end with a trip to Israel. You're welcome to join us. I think in two weeks I'll have an information meeting about that. It helps you study the Bible, and then it comes alive when you walk there. At the end of your seminary experience, you start the general, and then you go to the particulars. Your last year in seminary, you could write your thesis on a single sentence or a single word, but you don't know the context of that until you start at the beginning, the big picture. That's what we're going to do over the next year. Big picture. And we'll start, well, next week. 
I want to let you know about some resources that you can, you know, get a hold of. Uh, one of them is some, somebody gave me this maybe two or three years ago. It's wonderful. It's a Bible timeline, and it is dense with facts and icons, and it's easy to kind of understand. I would love to have one of these in my Bible as I read along. It's so creative in many respects and even beautiful that the the media department at here at Grace, we're using this as a template for our fonts and our colors and everything else. So we're going to go along with this. This is available in the lobby if you'd like to do that. If you'd like to get that, that's you can buy one of those. Uh, the next big picture thing that we're going to do is next week we'll do the Walk Through the Bible Old Testament Seminar. Okay, We want everyone to experience this. So whatever things that might be holding you up, we want you to help us help you come to this seminar next week. By the way, invite your friends to this. To go to any other church, say, I'll go to church with you next week. You come this time. If they, you know, if they have a mass or something on Saturday, go to mass with them on Saturday. Join us on Sunday because so many people know small, they don't know the big picture. And this is so helpful for that. Here's what it's going to look like next week. In the teaching time, the 35 minutes I get, we're going to go through the book of Genesis. Then we'll go outside. We'll have pizza under the trees. Just try to feed ourselves for a little bit. And then we'll come back in here. And from 1 to 3 o'clock, we'll finish up and get from Exodus to the book of Matthew. We want everyone to experience this. So in the auditorium, we'll have the adults, the junior high and the senior high. Our children's ministry, they'll be going through walk through the Old Testament. By the end of this, they'll know the 40 phrases so that they know the people, places, and events of all the major key issues that take place in the Older Testament. And you can go home in your minivan and sing along the whole phrase that makes it all make sense. You can't afford it. Fill out an application there in your bulletin and just put a dollar sign somewhere and we'll figure out a way to scholarship you. We don't want any, in other words, whatever it takes, we want you to intend and enjoy this time together next week. Okay, uh, so, so we got a big picture graphic. We got a big picture study event next week that's going to happen. And then as we get, I want you to, here's another thing that you need to do is you need to pick a, pick a Bible. I would say pick a Bible. We're, we have a few of those available. Here's a children's Bible that I highly recommend. The scholarship in this is amazing. This, this woman, Sally Lloyd-Jones, she understands speech act theory. She understands the power of good storytelling. And this is such a good children. This is a children's Bible. This is such a good children's Bible and so well written. They made one for adults, put a different cover on it. It's called The Story of God's Love for Us. If you're brand new to the faith or have children, this is where I'd start, honestly. Great book. Uh, we have a couple study Bibles for you to look at in the lobby. They're not for sale, but we just wanted you to look at them so that you could buy them in various um, expressions of where you could buy it, like online or whatever. But the number one study Bible that's available in the, is called the NIV Study Bible. Uh, study Bible is probably the best investment I ever made in my Christian walk and, and maturity because there's so many things that you don't understand, and usually below the passage, it just tells you probably your most obvious question and answers those things for you, right? It gives you maps and all those sorts of things. The other Bible that's a, that is a great study Bible is the ESV. ESV stands for a different translation. It's the English Standard Version. So we wanted you to look at those. There's some uh, people working those tables that are pretty informed on the pros and cons of those. Uh, if, if you've been studying the Bible for a while, sometimes when you study the Bible, you can kind of miss the fun of the story itself, I would highly recommend an easy-to-read uh, Bible translation. 
like the modern translation or the message or today's living translation, I would highly recommend an audio Bible. In other words, listen to the Bible for a couple of reasons. One, there's a lot of reading to be done, and I'm not a good reader, but, but, and maybe you too, but the Bible was written for the ears, not the eyes. And it's kind of some weird neuroscience stuff, but you can, you can, re, you can understand and interpret things through, you, through your ears, through hearing, that you would miss through your eyes, and vice versa. But when the Bible is told, it's told in a story so that the listener could envision things that maybe the eyes could not. I love listening to it. I'd highly recommend. On The next thing we have is pick a plan. When you pick a plan, many Bible apps now actually have it in audio. If not, you can buy audio Bibles as well. Pick a plan. We have a couple that we'd like for you guys to consider. Uh, you, you go, you download a free app, and then you join in on that, and that would put you to read along with all of us as we're all reading along through the Bible. If you don't like technology or it's not a friend to you, we've printed these because I don't like technology and we're not friends. So this is going to go in my Bible, and this will be... The, the route that we go. This is the Bible plan and the Bible reading. Let me just say this ahead of time, okay? Reading through the Bible in a year starts off fun. Oh. And then if some of you are competitive or just like duty-bound, you're going to kind of get behind and then you're going to want to throw the thing away, okay? Forget that. Just whatever the easiest way to get through this, it, with whatever sets you up for the limited success, there's a saying, a bad workout's better than no workout. Bi little Bible reading's better than no Bible reading. If you get behind, let me tell you, this is just me, okay? But if you get behind, there's four times in the Bible that you feel like you're reading a phone book, okay? Skip that part and just catch up, okay? When you, you'll know it when you read it, okay? It's going to read just like a phone book. And you're going to say, well, Matt said I can skip this part and I can catch up, you know? So if you get behind, you've got four chances to catch up. There's a whole, there's a whole chapter on on uh, mold, okay? You can skip that chapter too. So what, what, just get with the storyline, believe me, just whatever works, whatever keeps you in line, okay? So you have a Bible, you have a translation, you have a plan. Next thing is to find a time. Pick a time. Choose before you choose. So are you going to start your day this way? Or are you going to end your day this way? How about somewhere in the middle? Maybe that works. You choose a time at work when you have maybe a break at 10 or 3 o'clock. You can listen to it on the way in. A lot of us commute for quite a distance. We could listen to the Bible. You can uh, read it in line. <laughs> so much of our American experience is standing in line. You have a Bible like this or one on your phone, you can get through a lot of the Bible by just reading it while you're in line. Listen to it while you're getting ready. But just you have to have a plan. You have to have a time. Bigger picture is this. The bigger picture is to get the bigger picture, and we all do this together. We're going to meet God in this experience of reading through the Bible together and seeing how he's worked in history. Here's the last point. You have to pray. You have to pray. This is not a human event. Just words, not these words. This is the voice of God. And the difference between people that have read the Bible multiple times and nothing happened and the people where their lives are changed, like the stories that we've heard this morning, they understood. And the word understanding is the idea of their hearts and their souls were open to God in their life. So that's why you have to pray 
honestly and simply. Don't be demanding some kind of a dramatic life change, some sort of like epiphany of a new kind of understanding so much, a, a new way of life guidance. That's not how the Bible's written a lot of ways. That happens, and that's a God thing when it does, but mostly it's about a story about God that leads to the different way of thinking. And if you change your mind, you're going to change your life. Understanding. There's a saying that goes like this. It's not how many times you've been through the Bible. It's how many times the Bible has been through you. It's not how many times you've been through the Bible, but how many times the Bible has been through you. It's the humble heart. God has done his part. He gave us his voice. We have to do our part. And could I just appeal to you this way? You don't have to come to the end of a string of really bad decisions to have a humble heart. You don't have to go rock bottom, and it's pretty far down. It's as far down as it needs to be for you. But there's some times where you can just look over the edge and say, I think I've made enough bad decisions. You don't have to wreck your family, distance your mate, ruin your job, or not have any friends at work. You don't have to go there. You could just have an open heart where you just say, dear God, could you just take away from me all of my fear? I live around worry. Could you take away from me my dishonesty, my greed? I am compulsively thinking about me all the time. Could you take those things from me and give me a trust in who you are that would cause me to have peace and courage that would give me confidence and so much love that it would spill over into other people's lives. Wouldn't that be a great trade? Doesn't that sound like a prayer God would want to answer? Yeah, it is. It's not how many times you've been through the Bible. It's how many times the Bible's been through you. And it's, it's pretty simple. It's the voice of God with an open heart. That's what it takes to have a changed mind. Let me tell you, when you're reading through the Bible, this is a pretty easy mistake to, to make, especially uh, these days. The Bible is not about you. Okay? So the commands and the stories and the personalities, the heroes and the villains, all of that, that's not you know, about you. It's not about me. It is about God. It is one story, and all of the story is pointing towards an empty tomb. It's all his story. It is the story of Jesus Christ. And the bigger story, it is, it is a love story that's so captivating that when you involve yourself in that story, it changes you. So the Bible is not, I mean, there's some big sections that are very practical, how-tos. A lot of the Bible is not that way. The Bible is mostly fix your eyes upon Jesus and see what happens. It's not the Bible. It's not my story. It is how I fit into God's story and how I play a part in what he's doing. But I can guarantee you this. I can, I mean, this, who am I? I mean, God would say this. You have a humble heart and you read this book. In 12 months, you won't be the same person. You can't be the same person. This will change your mind. And if you change your mind, you'll change your life. Look at the life of Jesus Christ. 
I mean, he starts his ministry by quoting scripture, right? He is literally fending off an assault by Satan himself with these temptations with Bible passages, just quoting Deuteronomy. He ends his ministry, he ends his life on that cross, and he's trying to find words that could express his soul's anguish of being separated from the Father for the first time in eternity, past and future. And he quotes the Bible. And his whole life in between his introduction of ministry and his death on a cross, everything in between is an expression of the fulfillment of holy writ, of the voice of God. So let's be part of that. The voice of God plus a humble heart leads to a changed mind, leads to a changed life. You want to change your life? You have to change your mind. You want to change your mind? You have to have a humble heart and hear the voice of God. Holy writ, the Bible. The Bible does all the heavy lifting. It does its work all by itself. It's all about the heart. First African to ever be converted. The first African Christian is an Ethiopian that's just reading the Bible, finds Isaiah. It's a prophecy about Jesus. And he asks someone, hey, what does this mean? And he comes to know Jesus Christ that way. There's, there's, a, there's a book called uh, The Bible in World Evangelism. And, and the book is just story after story after story of just the, the Bible just like just showing up and changing lives. It's a great story of a guy pickpocketing someone, like a Bible like this. Thinks he's stealing a wallet, steals the Bible, reads the Bible, changes his life. <laughs> There's another story of a man in Brazil, Antonio of Minas, right? He bought the New Testament to burn it. He hated God and religion. And so he buys the New Testament, throws it in a fire. It wouldn't catch fire really frustrates him, pulls it out of the fire. And it opens up to the Sermon on the Mount, reads it and goes, hmm, you know, that's, that's a good sermon. Keeps reading. Next thing you know, the sun's coming up on him and he says, I believe. I believe it all. In Chile, a man named Vincent is walking on the beach and up washes pages of the voice of God, the Bible. Starts reading them, never read the Bible before. He says, where's the rest of this? Finds a Bible, buys it, reads it, spends the rest of his life going through Chile and distributing the Bible so that other people could become like Christ in all of life by reading that book. People meet God by reading this book with a humble heart. It's different. <laughs> just not, it's not just words. These are God's words. So what about you? What about you? You want to change your life? You're going to need to change your mind. To change your mind, you'll have to have a humble heart and let God's words speak for themselves. We want to be, be a church of people of the word, but not just knowing it, but understanding it. And so we want to invite as many people as possible to change their minds so their minds might be on Christ this year. I'd like for you to ask, I just want to ask you, do you want to join us? Do you want to do that? I want to see what happens when the Spirit of God shows up with his word in our hearts. And I want, you, I want to ask you, do you want to pray with me about joining that? I found a great compilation of 
of the power of the word and the mind. And I'd like to read just passages out of the Bible that emphasize a changed life is a changed mind by the power of God's voice with a humble heart. To have the peace of Christ guard your mind, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, to have the same mind that is in me that is also in Christ Jesus, to have the mind of Christ Jesus, to set your mind on things above, to have the mind governed by the Spirit so that, is, that life is filled with peace. Be anxious for nothing. Be grateful for everything. For the love of the Lord my God with, and love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind to have the joy with me and the joy might be complete because our mind is right with God. Let's pray to that end. Lord, I'd like to just begin, uh, Father, by saying that as chief stewards of our mind and what we allow in it, that we have neglected the responsibility to care for our minds. We will watch anything and we will listen to everything. And because of that recklessness, we do not have the lives that are like they were meant to be like you in so many areas of our lives. And we see now the power of our mind and what a gift our mind is from you and then this other gift, your words, your voice. Lord, let this confession be also repentance that we will commit to the transformation of our minds, the renewing of our minds by the word, that it would wash us so that we might be cleansed by it and we could be presented to you without spot or wrinkle or blemish. We can't do this, but you can. And so would you renew our minds? Would you, would you do something with our desire and our commitment to, to read your scripture that we would find you there, that we would find a way to be part of your story, that we would surrender our lives to your will? Lord, I'd ask that you would bless this church, that we would be a church that knows your word and better still that understands it, that we might know you as much as we can in this life so that we might enjoy you as much as we can in the next life. We're grateful, Lord, that we are your children and we have an eternal, everlasting, guaranteed inheritance because of you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.